You're listening to The Blizzard of Osborne by Michael Sheen Cuddy. Chapter 17, The Labyrinth. The flat, open desert had gradually become more mountainous. The trail they'd been following had narrowed to the point where they were now surrounded by steep cliffs on either side. And up ahead, it looked like the trail just stopped at the base of a stone wall. You said this would be a slower route. You didn't say anything about a dead end. Well, I'd heard of tales of a great labyrinth in the desert where many a traveler enters, but only a few find their way out. But I always assumed it was just that. A tale told for thrills around a campfire. Boxed in on both sides by steep cliffs, the trail simply vanished at the foot of massive stone columns. Once up close, Cassie and her companions saw that the columns were actually the ends of unscalable stone walls. Between each wall was a dark cave. Some caves were wide, others were too narrow for Assam or me, myself, and I to squeeze through. I'm going to see what I can see. Be careful, Cassie. We can't afford to lose you. The first cave Cassie peeked into ended only after a few steps. Same with the second cave. The third cave curved in deeper and darker. (gasps) There's a skull in there. I think it might be a horse's or a cow's. I saw its skeleton in the dirt. Oh, dear. Now what do we do? We could wander through this labyrinth and never find our way out. We'll end up like that horse, bones rotting in the dust. Hey, aren't labyrinths supposed to have at least one way out? According to the myth, yes, but in the myths, very few who enter the labyrinth ever find their way out. Instead, they end up as skeletons in the dust. Hey, What's up there? Cassie pointed at the cliff above the labyrinth. Looks like a road cut into the mountainside. If we climb up there, maybe we can see down into the labyrinth and find out which cave leads to the other side. You're right, Cassie. We might get a bird's eye view from up there. They walked and walked, trudged and climbed. The mountainside was so steep, everyone but Jet struggled. Gradually, however, they made it up to the road where it was flatter and easier to walk. Cassie, you're not the only thirsty one. Leave some O for the rest of us. Hey, look! Cassie pointed up the road to where a rickety, mule-drawn wagon was approaching. Me, myself, and I squinted, trying to read the sign painted on the side of the wagon. Professor Willowall's traveling caravan of stupendous marvels? What's this about? The mule-drawn wagon made its way down the road until the man driving it came within hailing distance. Oh, now, 
Slow down there, you old sack of bones. A strange-looking man with woolly hair grinned out from behind a bushy black beard. His sun-weathered face was cragged with wrinkles. Big kaleidoscope glasses made his eyes look like discs of stained glass. On his head, he wore a stovepipe hat, striped in a spiral of rainbow colors. Hello, my fine friends. Allow me to introduce myself. As you can deduce from the sign on the wagon, I'm the one and only Professor Willowar, empresario of the outer realms, aficionado of the extraordinary, and epicurean of the arcane. And who am I privileged to meet in this most inauspicious wasteland? I am me, myself, and I, Egling of the Hinterlands, Class 5 Interactor Technical Specialist. This is Cassandra of the Dakota Realm, a Psalm who, despite all appearances to the contrary, claims to be of pure Andalusian stock. And last, and certainly least in my estimation, is... Oh, now where is he gone off to? Oh, never mind. Typical antisocial reptilian behavior. Do you know how to get around the labyrinth, Professor? Well, that depends where you want to go. My own preference is I avoid the labyrinth altogether by staying on this mountain road, you see. It's a rather circuitous route, and some prefer to take their chances with the labyrinth because skirlings have been known to travel this road. A man who doesn't fear the skirlings? Well, you must have some powerful magic, sir. Oh, the magic of business, my friend. Let me tell you something. The Skullings are famous for two things. One, mercilessly torturing their enemies. Two, a passion for business. And I've learned to do business with the Skullings. See this here canopy? He pointed to the brilliant white awning stretched over his driver's bench. It's made from 100% pure saw. The so-called magic silk for which the Skirlings are famous. I traded a merkin falcon for this canopy. The Skirlings loved that falcon so much they threw in one of their legendary windproof tents at no extra charge. A great deal, I might add. Both the tent and the canopy have kept me alive many a day and night in this unforgiving desert. Maybe we can trade something with the Skirlings, and they'll let us pass through. Hmm... Not a good idea. You see, the Skirlings have been known to sell children into slavery. As for the Eggman, they'd almost certainly scramble him for an omelet. And the ass, well, he's worthless. The Skirlings use camel rams for beasts of burden. They're far superior to the common jackass. I beg your pardon? What was that? What was what? sounded like howling. Oh, well, that would be the howler monkeys, of course. Why are they howling? Because that's what howler monkeys do, isn't it? Can we see them? See them? <laughs> howler monkeys are an exotic species. I went to great lengths to acquire these, so I don't just parade them around for nothing, you know. It will cost you five glunken each for the privilege of observing these rare specimens. Excuse me, but I happen to know a swindler when I hear one. For you, Professor, we have exactly zero glunken. Well, then, I'll be on my way now. It was, uh, highly instructive to meet you. <laughs> Onward, you senile old fleabag! Ha! 
Strange fellow, eh? Yes, sir. Strange and cruel. Cruel? How so? Did you see how he whipped that poor old mule? That was totally uncalled for. After the professor was out of sight, Sly crawled out from a hole in the ground. There you are. Why did you disappear without telling anyone? I, uh, well, um, nature was calling. <laughs> oh, really? Since when did you become so discreet? Well, that guy was approaching in his wagon. And you couldn't wait until he paused? Well, nature was not only calling, she was, uh, shall we say, commanding. Cassie looked at Sly, a curious expression on her face. That's odd. Sly disappeared just as Professor Willowbot came into view, then reappeared as soon as he left. Was he avoiding the professor? But why would he do that? Next, in a turn of bad luck, the very thing they hoped wouldn't happen is about to happen. 